You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome to episode number 15 of the DCAU Review. Here as always with you, I'm your host, Cal, along with me, as always also, my brother, good friend, Liam also known as the guy that runs our Twitter account. Liam, welcome to episode 15 of the DCAU Review. Well, we got another big one today. We're continuing our Spotlight series as we go through some of the best episodes or best storylines. Uh, different themes we'll be exploring as we go forward here, but for this week our Spotlight is back on. We did an episode a uh, few episodes back where we talked about the road to apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And well, we're here everybody. We're here, here kids. The road trip's over. Apocalypse now. That's right. <laughs> you forgot the dots in there. Dot it's, dot dot. It's apocalypse <laughs> now. Because <laughs> there's also an exclamation point. Too. They're trying to surprise you. Right. Like, is, it, is it coming wait, later? Is it wait, coming wait. in a few days? Hold, hold now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So apocalypse now. Uh, we're excited here to do this episode. Um, have some fond memories of this episode uh, when it was originally debuted on the kids WB back in the day. Uh, Liam, this episode right away kicks off uh, and kind of lets you know that things are going to be... It's a different kind of episode. It doesn't uh, debut with uh, Superman at all. Uh, He shows up probably about five to seven minutes into the episode. We're introduced right at the beginning. Uh, It's a a Maggie Sawyer and uh, Dangerous Dan Turpin. Not his name, <laughs> not, not by his the name. way. His nickname is Terrible. I couldn't remember that the last episode. Terrible Turpin. Uh, and it's a very heavy episode with these the, featuring these two, uh, at least uh, with Dan Turpin. Yeah. Uh, but it, So it's, it's a different episode. It has a... Honestly, it feels like a different tone altogether, uh, especially the way that the episode ends. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but it's a it's a it's not a complicated story. There's a it's a continuation of what we talked about on the last episode. Uh, Bruno Mannheim is back working with Intergang. He's back on Earth, and he's been supplied with even more high tech weapons from the planet Apocalypse, and uh, he's using them to reclaim money that was just taken from him by the police. Very early on, uh, what did you think of this this first part? It's it is a two part episode, and it's hard when we do these. We talked about this when we did Two Face, yeah. and we did Last Son of Krypton. That it's hard to break these down as individual episodes and not du- judge them because they're meant to be viewed all kind of in one sitting. Um, but what did you think of this episode? At least this first part of this episode. Yeah, we can kind of jump right into the plot here. Um, like like you said, we're kind of going to be jumping around a little bit because it is two parts, so it's. But yeah, at the start of the episode, it's uh, you know you you immediately get the the threat is upped beyond really anything we've ever seen in uh, in Superman. You get these you know hover tanks, and when Superman does finally show up, there's this like sonic bomb that goes off that uh, causes him to bleed from his ears and his nose. First appearance of blood, maybe in yes. the Superman from what we from what we've seen anyway. Yes, from the episodes we've covered so far. Uh, Superman, yeah, this is so. Superman is kind of able to defeat them, but you can already tell these these weapons are just as we saw a little bit in Tools of the Trade. These are weapons unlike anything Superman's ever had to deal with before. So you immediately set up that uh, this is a threat that 
you know, it's a, it's going to, when you get to the point where it's a full-scale invasion and there's dozens of these tanks and dozens of these, you know, when the parademons start invading and stuff like that, you, you very easily set up the scale and that the stakes are much bigger than they've ever been before for him. And we, t- we talked about that a little bit in the first episode and, and certainly, I think, in the Metallo episode, that it must be a challenge for writers, whether it's in the comics, whether it's on, on cartoons, you, to make what people assume is an invulnerable character vulnerable. Yeah. And you have to kind of do some things that are off the wall. And in this, I think you're right. I think the the introduction of some of this apocalyptian weaponry, uh, just as we saw in the last episode, that seems formidable, at, at least some sort of threat against Superman. Uh, first time, if we're, like I said, if, if we're not mistaken, that Superman bleeds, first of all, blood in a children's cartoon, call the, yeah. call the authorities. I mean, whoa, that was a big no-no back in the Batman days. Um, so we, we get some blood, even if it's just blood from his nose and his ears here. Uh, later on, we did see blood post-Darkseid uh, fight. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that they were able to... I think they do a, a pretty effective job, like you said, of making these weapons really uh, look formidable. Because yeah. it's hard. Because Superman is Superman, and it, the assumption is that he's invulnerable. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little later. But just the overall stakes, I mean, in the first... Two or three minutes of the episode, Maggie Sawyer is uh, almost killed. Right. She ends up in the hospital for the rest of the two-parter. Uh, so it's set up very early on that these people, they're not messing around, and they have the weaponry that, I mean, if they can, ki- they can almost kill Superman that easily, imagine what they can do to, you know, the uh, to a, a beat cop or something, you right. know, re- the regular citizens of this city of Metropolis or of anywhere in the world. Right, and then, so then as the story progresses, we get the introduction of the character of Orion. Uh, he's introduced kind of as this mysterious person at first, uh, but he sort of fills the audience and Superman in on the background of some of the fourth world characters, um, the story between why Darkseid is, is coming to Earth, what his intent is. Uh, we learned a little bit about uh, Darkseid as well in listening to this narration, and I think at one point he's uh, the mother box who's explaining the story of Darkseid talks about how he feeds psychically off of the uh, what the was misery the, the misery of of his people, which is why he enslaves them and forces them to do work. And really, his ultimate goal is to take over the the universe. And he's searching for this uh, anti life equation, which I'm a nerd, but I I don't fully understand the. <laughs> like whole thing behind that we'll have to do some additional research unless you know exactly what it means but there's it's something that will lead him to take over the universe essentially yeah it's 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 been interpreted a few different ways over the years uh, the final crisis uh comic book event delved into that in a little more detail but it's it's grant morrison writing so there's a lot of detail there's in it a lot of detail. so it's it's sort of like opening a textbook when you, <laughs> sometimes when you open a grant morrison book but yeah there's there's a you know evidence out there but yeah as i said they, they do a pretty succinct job of explaining he he gets for back of a and he gets off yep. on the misery of others and he needs entire planets worth of misery to sustain him as he's in search for this uh search for this anti-life equation which obviously comes to a head uh, later on in some of the injustice league and some of those other series down the road so there were, that's another thing we noticed here and certainly when we started with road to apocalypse a couple a couple episodes ago we are in this for the long haul when it comes to dark side dark side 
as a villain, I mean, the real final money fight is the very last episode of Justice League Unlimited. Which was, this was 1990s, copyright 1997 in the credits, mm-hmm. so that's seven to eight I years 2006, later. I think, is the last, was when it actually, the last episode of, Whew. so yeah, nine years of Dark Side just screwing with people and, and messing with Superman to, to when you finally get the big money fight. Uh, down the road, so as a, in a pro wrestling terms, it's a, the bad guy is getting a lot of heat. Yeah, he's uh, he's really doing a lot to screw over the good guy or or the baby face, if you prefer, which I do, obviously. Um, so it's so even through this episode, as we kind of get into part two, as the invasion starts, Superman's getting beat down a lot, uh, and the parademons are all attacking him. He has a an encounter with Steppenwolf, who. Uh, people will know from the Justice League uh, live-action movie that came out. Looks a lot different here, but very different. Much shorter, much less mm-hmm. formidable. It yes. seems he's not. Yeah, he's not quite on that level. He's just kind of a guy with a sword who tells the Parademons to go get him. Yep. <laughs> um, but he is set up as sort of Darkseid's prized hunter or assassin here. So he is picked over Calabac. That's true. We do get Calabac is like. This is very dark, heavy material, but every time Calabac appears, it is a joy in this episode. The part where he pops out of the tank at the end, you and I just lost it. It was just so... It wasn't even intended to be funny, and we weren't laughing because it was dumb. It was just... It seemed like comedic timing, because he just pops out of the tank, he lifts the thing up, and he's like, Dark Side! Dark Side's doing, like, his evil villain speech to the people of Earth, doing, like, his manifesto, and then here comes his stupid... Maybe mildly retarded son <laughs> that he fuck, hates. By the that way, that he absolutely hates. It's like I don't know. It's like the, the timing is something out of like I don't know Frasier or something. It is. Like I was like, ugh, that <laughs> character shows up right in the middle of the villain giving his his evil villain speech. But yeah, I guess we can just go into our scorch for plot. Yeah. Like you said, we can. Uh, it's tough to meld these two because it was two full episodes. But it is, as we mentioned, sort of a basic plot. There's an invasion. We get sort of the the intro to the invasion in part one we get the full-scale invasion in part two we have dark side confronting superman uh, a lot of biblical imagery which we'll get into in, yeah. in visuals but it's made very clear here in part one when he promises uh bruno Mannheim that he'll be a king um <laughs> and then he sort of reneges on that promise which again maybe we can talk about when we get to voice he calls acting. him a king of fools right and uh <laughs> so good but overall, I gave plot six out of ten. I it's like I said, it's pretty basic. The last few minutes of part two are some of the best stuff that's ever been done in the DCAU, yep. as far as I'm concerned. But for the most part, like I said, it's pretty basic up until that end. Which again, maybe that helps it because everything's sort of in by the numbers. To when you get to that big emotional climax, it really stands out as something special and memorable. Yep. Um, but for me, yeah, like I said, pretty basic stuff. I went six out of ten. What six. about you? Uh, I'm right there with you. Shocking. <laughs> Seven out of ten uh, was my score. <laughs> I scored it just a little bit higher because I, I, I do like it. It holds a near and dear uh, place in my heart. I think you're right in that it is not a, it's not overly complicated. It's, you know, Orion shows up to warn him of of impending doom, then Orion goes away. Um, my biggest issue with it is, is the kind of the payoff at the end of the episode, and we know, we have the benefit of foresight knowing that the uh, legacy episode is still to come, and there's, you know, the, the, that episode deals a lot more with Superman versus Darkseid, but as you said, we don't get a payoff 
between the fight, like, we, we had to check. We were like, okay, so when does the payoff for this battle between <laughs> Superman and Darkseid actually pay off? And it's not till the end of Justice League Unlimited. So we even, even at the end of this episode, this episode ends with... Despite the fact that the the heel, if you will, in wrestling terminology, he doesn't get the victory. He doesn't win the 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 war. He wins this battle because, as spoiler alert, he kills Dan Turpin. Yeah. He kills the guy that is slowly becoming one of your favorite characters. Plays a major role in this episode um, as the hero. Really plays the role of the hero for the majority of that second episode because Superman is captured by Darkseid. He's also kind of meant to be our point of view, like the right. the, the average human's role in an alien invasion. Right, what can he do? Where gods are hurling thunderbolts at each other. What is the man on the ground doing? Right, absolutely. And so he's absolutely sort of supposed to, you know, the everyman, the fighting spirit... And he's, this is, you know, he saves Superman's butt again in this. Even at the very end, he's he's responsible for freeing Superman from his Christ-like pose on yeah. Darkseid's Calabac tank. helped. Yeah, well, yeah, that idiot Calabac broke his legs out. But, you know, it, he he plays a major role. And, and just at the end where he's showboating, you feel like the, the you know, the face has won the match. Yeah. Here comes the heel. And he's like, nope, you thought. Like, yeah. You thought. And he kills him. Man, it's just a heart-wrenching ending. Um, so we don't get that payoff, and Superman, I mean, and Darkseid flees. We don't get a, a Superman versus Darkseid battle uh, till the end of the third season, really. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 really frustrating in, in a way. It's good storytelling because we know that there's a there's a good payoff for it eventually. But man, if this was it and we were watching this in real time, man, that would be a frustrating frustrating way to end it. Yeah. So I went with seven out of ten. All right, let's move on to music here. Uh, you and I differ a little bit on our scores for music. Uh, I shockingly. Rank, shockingly, yeah. It's it, it's not that shocking, and it's no. not really that much of a difference. It's two points. I think I, don't, I can't can't remember if we've, we've differed more than <laughs> two or three points on a, on a score before. I think that'll be – we'll need an alarm for that if that yeah. happens. Uh, but uh, my music score for this episode was 8 out of 10, uh, and it's mainly because of the second episode. We remarked when we were talking that the first, first episode has some musical cues in the – in the battle at the Air Force Base where Orion and Superman are taking on the uh, the, the intergang-infused yeah. inter-gang, uh, Apocalyptian guys. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 okay in the first episode. Didn't, didn't notice a whole lot. Didn't notice a whole lot of Superman theme in the first episode either. Second episode comes in. You have a good overall soundtrack for the invasion. It's pretty heavy on uh on strings and, and and kind of intent it feels really intense yeah especially when when the, there's a shot of the skies are red which as you notice is a classic dc comics yeah crisis bruce, bruce tim paying homage and i mean it's it's interesting because at this at this same time or similar to the same time batman the animated series debut or the new batman adventures debuts rather and uh they have red skies all the time yeah so i think at the time you don't don't necessarily think about it but as the nuclear facility is melting down towards the end of part one, you do you do notice that the skies are red. So you, your music has to be intensified, mm-hmm. I think, almost because um, I don't think it would have matched the tone of the episode. Oh, as absolutely! Well. You have the, you have the crisis red skies. You have swarms and swarms of uh, parademons flying over, uh, just wrecking stuff and attacking Superman, attacking normal citizens. Uh, yeah, it's, you absolutely you need music to be to be big there. 
By the way, imagine if this had been this part of an invasion storyline had been the storyline for the live action Justice League movie. Like, oh, you didn't like when they just kind of sat in a town in Russia and didn't do much <laughs> for whatever. Yeah, whatever the heck they were doing. I mean, I guess there's a the less said about that. <laughs> Moving on, um, but for you know for that, and then man, I'm we're gonna play the clip here in a second. But the the final scene after Turpin is killed and they flash to his his funeral, man. Goodbye, old friend. In the end, the world didn't really need a Superman. Just a brave one. If I didn't, if I said I didn't tear up tonight or today, watching this episode from the moment where Turpin is killed and Superman is smashing the tank up and the whole city is shaking, to yes, at the end, which is you know this big grand, you know, an, an expression of Superman's true power, to this very subtle moment where he's just standing at the grave, there are tears in his eyes, and his, you know, and you see the the gravestone, which. Uh, and and he says his little speech, and and then you hear that it's very soft piano music, which uh, you'll hear in a second here. Um, it's just incredible, and it's again the the differences in the tone for what you're trying to get across in that movie. A big grand score wouldn't work there necessarily, right? So you need something a little understated because again, the that moment is more playing off the visuals of Superman and the and. Uh, and uh, the voice acting of, of Tim Daly there, so the music pulled back there in a way that also really worked. So different styles of music depending on the situation. You don't always need the grand score. I, I agree. I, I think we talked about in the Batman episode and Nothing to Fear, where he's at the gravestone, how that that theme it was sort of a grand ending mm-hmm. to that because it was. It was sort of triumphant because Batman is saying, hey, it's sad that his parents are dead, but he's in this. He's still fighting for them, and he recognizes that his parents would be yes. proud of the work he's doing. This is they, – they're leaving you with a different feeling. Turpin is dead. He's not coming back. Darkseid looks he, – he didn't take over Earth, but he got a victory in this battle. You know, yes. he, there's, there's some bodies that have – a person, a real character – and that's, I mean, maybe going back to plot a little bit, but interesting that you had a character, this is the first time that an established character, this guy was on a couple different episodes before this, several yeah. episodes, that they killed a character mm-hmm. on screen. Right, I mean, this is very much akin to, uh, you know, if they had killed Commissioner Gordon or something on Batman. Like, right. he was, you know, that level of supporting cast. It's, yes, it's not Lois or Jimmy, but it's, you know, a guy who was, as you mentioned, he's been around, he was in World's, a lot of big episodes, he was around in World's Finest, you know, he's helping Superman, uh, you know, track the Joker and yep. stuff like that in World's Finest. Guy who's just been around forever, again, an established thing we all know, and we spend a lot of time with him there, and uh, yeah, again, we're kind of getting back in the Sorry, plot now. Bad. But that's, I mean, that's alright, I think, with a big episode, I think that kind of tends to happen, you you but forget yeah, music, things, but, but music. the music, and in adding to the, yeah. those moments... Uh, in part two specifically, I thought 
So I, th- I think part two is great. Like I said, part one was pretty much non-existent for me. Okay. So trying to balance those two scores, I went six out of ten. Because, okay. again, I think part two is mostly very good, but part one did nothing for me. So kind of mar- you know, marrying those two together, I went six out of ten. I loved it, but I think that the first part wasn't... I think the music served its purpose and did it did enough to add what it could to the action that was happening. And I think episode two was almost perfect as far as the music is concerned. So balancing out that for me, I gave it 8 out of 10. Okay. All right, let's move on to... Uh, let's let's check out our animation and visuals, Liam. Um, animation and visuals. Would you, so what do you think of this ep- these two episodes? And it's, again, it's hard. Um, we'll talk about it in a second. Part two starts out with a weird storyboard artist or a weird weird animation in the very first act of this of the second episode but overall as a whole we're grading it as an entire episode right. so what'd you what'd you think of animation and visuals yeah for uh for animation and visuals i thought it was mostly very good for again this is maybe kind of how we split up and as far as visuals go there's a billion great shots or cool moments uh, the way the parademons sort of swarm Superman at one point. They're biting and clawing at him. Um, that's all really good. Part one, the n- the nuclear explosion going off is done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight at the Air Force Base. Uh, there's some really cool shots of Superman standing in flames mm-hmm. as he goes to save a couple of inner gang uh, pilots out of the tank that's about to blow up. Um, so I went visuals. I went 8 out of 10. It's mostly very strong. I do agree with you. Uh, shockingly, in uh, in in part two, as you mentioned, the first act of part two specifically, and there's a very clear moment. It's after the commercial break where it fades to black and fades black, fades back in, where you can tell the again. I don't know if it's the animation team or just a different storyboard artist, uh, but you can just tell it's changed. Superman looks a lot more on model. You've mentioned it's pretty rare that guys get that off model mm-hmm. in in this new streamlined animation team. There's a few times. And sometimes I feel like maybe again maybe it's more obvious more often in Batman because sure. you know sometimes you can tell because his ears are longer or maybe his chin you know his chin's larger. There's, a, there's more details to notice. Superman is generally you know a, seems like a again I'm not trying to devalue, uh, <laughs> but it seems like a more basic, easier right. to draw. That's why they streamlined it. They right. wanted it to be easier so that there wouldn't be as much. Issues correct. So, so I think sometimes it's less obvious, even if it you know the different storyboard artists on a Superman episode, because it's basically just square jaw and the suit. Um, I mean, some of those minor things like maybe the S looks a little different on his chest, but this was very noticeable. His his chin was very long and angular. Yeah, um, I compared it to a little bit like the Tick <laughs> uh, in the first 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 act of that second episode. Like you said, his, his jaw is large, and it's weird because we, there's a couple shots that we paused, and they look like what I would say would be a Bruce Tim drawing. I'm a, I'm a big Bruce Tim guy. Obviously, we're Bruce Tim guys. What? Go, shocking, because we're doing a podcast <laughs> on the entire animated DC universe that he created, but. Big Bruce Tim guy. I appreciate his art. I appreciate his uh, his individual. You know the comics that he that he's drawn, the covers that he's done. But as far as translating that directly to animation, there has to be a little bit of uh, a, stre- a streamline, for lack of a better word, in order for it to translate and look a little bit. 
I don't know, realistic is probably not the right word, but on model, I guess, or in order for it, they talk about that in some of the commentaries too, about things, difference between storyboard and, and translating that into animation. Yeah. But in that, that first act, there was a lot of stuff that looked like they just lifted it directly from drawings from Bruce Tim. And that didn't translate as well because he he does tend to have a little bit over exaggerated features on people. Girls <laughs> super skinny in the mm-hmm. waist, and you know guys with larger chins and big just, buff chests. Yeah. And, yeah, and again, that's his his as he has said in in a hundred interviews. His influences are uh, Jack Kirby, the the uh, recently late Steve Ditko, like right. those classic sixties and seventies. What he grew yeah. up with, right. Where that's kind of how guys work. A lot of square draws, as you mentioned. But yes, you're. I, I get what you're saying, and it, it is striking again when you come back from that commercial break and you know, quote unquote, Act Two starts of right. the of Part Two. Uh, you can just tell that it's it's a completely different artist or, or style. So um, absolutely. So you gave it eight out of ten, right? Yes. Uh, my score was six out of ten. I think there was some good stuff in this episode. Um, we talked already about some of the apocalyptic stuff that battle at the at the air force base is actually really good with orion and superman taking on the the guys from inner gang yeah um the i do like the parademons i like their design um the the even the sound design that they use for them is, mm-hmm. is really cool um and, and i think if it wasn't so jarring or so distracting i think this episode would have been close to a perfect score for that wow. for that second okay for that second, but that that first act just completely takes me out of it. Now, there is that doesn't mean there isn't good in it, and I I think that final shot of Superman at the gravestone with hashtag cape movement. By yes. the way, uh, there's not man. a lot here, but they make up for it. With that the, final with the scene, hashtag cape movement. The wind, cape is blowing in the wind, and he puts his hand on the on the headstone. And it pans down and it says, uh, Earth's Greatest Hero, which of course is a nod to the death of Superman yes. storyline from 93 or 92, whenever that, yeah, that happened. Uh, his his gravestone in that said, here lies Superman, Earth's Greatest Hero. So just a super great visual and, nod to that storyline. Yeah. And Superman's accompanying line, which yes. we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second in voice acting. Um, you've already heard it. When we, we've talked about it. In, uh, we played the clip during our music section, but... Yeah, his there's tears in Superman's eyes. He puts his hand on the gravestone. Um, it's 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 just incredible. There's a really nice shadowed shot where it's he's in complete silhouette. The tree he's standing under is in complete silhouette, and you just kind of see his cape moving. And uh, as he as he gives a speech, it's it's incredibly well done. So that whole scene is it and as as I sort of mentioned <laughs> in passing here, the visuals of when Darkseid kills Dan Turpin. Superman tries to get at him. The mm-hmm. boom tube disappears, and he just—you see the look, the look of anger and complete anguish on his face. And he turns around and he destroys this giant tank. He pancakes that tank yes. that was crushing cars. Yes, and then he's <laughs> just wailing on it and he's screaming. And they show these shots of the oh, buildings are shaking. His voice is echoing again. It's. Those few tastes of, and again, that that plays into Superman always sort of holding back mm-hmm. what he can actually do, and you know the reason maybe some of these fights that we see are quote unquote a little fairer than you may have seen in other comic books or other versions of Superman is it's like that guy if he lets loose, <laughs> which again we get to later on in Justice League, he would crack the planet in half. Right? 
he would destroy everything. It's a, it's a good visual. If, it's, yeah. it's it's great, man. And uh, and and then translating that right into the funeral scene of mm-hmm. of uh, of course in the original airing, the Fantastic Four, Stan Lee, yeah. uh, I think Iron Man, several Marvel heroes were in attendance at this funeral that unfortunately had to be edited for. Uh, subsequent airings and and video and DVD and that releases. was a nod because we we already talked about in the last episode with Kurt, with um, Jack Kirby being being the visual inspiration for Dan Turpin yes. in this and being such a, a hero to Bruce Tim and the yeah. fourth world characters obviously playing a huge role in this episode he had just recently passed away so yes. they dedicated this episode to him yeah so it's and it's well, I mean what more of a perfect tribute but yeah contrasting the visuals of Superman nearly destroying the whole city in his anger to then this very quiet moment as as we mentioned of him with his hand on the gravestone and just tears welling up in his eyes is it's beautifully done yep. um it's it's uh yeah it's pretty darn great that to me saved i think the visuals for for me mm-hmm. I, I only gave it a six out of ten um that scene alone though at the end is would get like if you just showed me that that scene over and over again ten out of ten great well done. All right, let's move uh, to our final category, Liam. It's going to be voice acting. Uh, voice acting in this episode, we a little touched on it already. You heard the clip of, of Tim Daly. Um, any actors that we need to know about for this episode that uh, guest starred? Liam's the guy that always pulls yes. up IMDb to so let the, us know. So the biggest one is uh, the one we haven't heard yet or haven't talked about yet is uh, Steve Sandor as Orion. Okay. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job. He's fine. Um, later on in uh, in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, uh, they have Ron Perlman voice him, mm-hmm. and we haven't gotten to Feet of Clay, or certainly we haven't talked about Slade and Teen Titans or anything, but Ron Perlman's one of the greatest voice actors there's ever been, Yeah. so comparing anybody to him in a role he's also done it can be a little tough, but I thought he, his job in part one, Orion's job, is basically just to explain what the fourth world is. Right. And then to kind of show up at the end with the cavalry to save the day. Uh, so for that, I thought he was uh, serviceable. We have uh, Joseph Bologna, again, as Dan Turpin. We talked about in in Tools of the Trade how a lot of his lines, uh, as as well as uh, Joanna Cassidy as Maggie again, um, how a lot of their lines were really silly and over the top. Right. Um, here they're a lot more grounded, and I think they showed that in the performances. I thought Joanna Cassidy and her... A uh, reduced role between parts one and two because, as we mentioned, she's injured for, uh, fairly early on. I thought she was very good as far as you know, showing that emotion of uh, first being very concerned about her partner mm-hmm. and kind of again her work partner, by right? The way, not her work her, partner, her, not her her life partner, her life partner is in the hospital with her. Yes. Which again, this was a children's cartoon in 1997. Wow. So. Yeah. Well, they they don't come out and explicitly say, no. but they are holding hands an awful lot. Yes. So. Uh, they they uh, they snuck that one through yeah, uh, standards that. and practices at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, but I thought so. I thought Joanna Cassidy and her role as Maggie Sawyer is very good. Uh, and but it really is. It's it's Tim Daly, uh, Joseph Bologna, and of course Michael Ironside as Dark Side are are going to be the three, the big three here. Yep. Um, Tim Daly's excellent. We do get some Emil Hamilton in there. That's too, true. By the way. Um, Who, by the way, every time you. Every time the characters are just kind of there and deliver their lines the same way, it, it reminds me of your your Perry White comparison. Yes. So he was the Perry White of this episode. Yeah, in my absolutely. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, overall, I went ahead and I gave voice acting a 9 out of 10 overall. Tim Daly really does carry this, Mm -hmm. especially in part 2. And it's in a different way than he did in the last episode we talked about late Mr. Kent. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of, again, a lot of varied emotions, which we talked about maybe in some of the earlier episodes... Uh, he's he's a little bit one note in certain in uh, in his delivery, and obviously we've mentioned that with certain other characters. But here he's you know he's got to play triumphant, he's got to play standard Superman, he's got to play angry, he's got to play sad, and and he's a uh, he's great at it. Uh, Michael Ironside, I mean, in this episode, and this gets a little bit back in the plot. They're not being too subtle. Um, Darkseid is Satan in the DCAU. <laughs> he, re- he really, really is. After Superman uh, stops the nuclear meltdown, he's uh, like on, in this like desert canyon trying to rest, and he's on his knees, and Darkseid appears to him as Satan appeared to Jesus in the wilderness in the Bible. And then later, after they've captured Superman, uh, he gives the line, Michael Ironside gives the line, if you will not be my knight, you will be my pawn. Mm. And he has him strung up in a very crucifixy pose. <laughs> crucifixy. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not being subtle, is my point, um, with the with the, the Christ symbolism. with the. So you're saying Superman and Jesus didn't start with Superman Returns? You're correct. Nor, that... Yeah, nor with uh, Man of Steel. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, that's obviously not, that's a theme, obviously, between... He was created by, you know, there's some Moses in there, there's some Jesus in there, it kind of yeah. mixes together. But, um, yeah, but so they barely leaned very heavily into that, and as we mentioned, with the deal Manheim made at him, he promised me I'd be a king, and so you are the king of fools. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ironside is, obviously, newsflash, very, very good. So like I said, I, I don't know if I mentioned my score or not, but I gave voice acting 9 out of 10, uh, again, for those, those three strong performances of uh, Joseph Bologna. Tim Daly and uh, Michael Ironside. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, we talked about it before we went on went on uh, the air here, but uh, I thought that Joey Baloney, as we call him, <laughs> uh, did a far better job this time. Uh, wasn't and some of it was we talked about was the lines that were written for him. I, I think his his dialogue was less corny. Uh, there were still some some you know like eye rollers or you know uh, Jimmy Olsen. You kind of rooting for him to die in this episode. Man, what a jackass! <laughs> well, first he's like yeah he's making like quips with Lois about when parademons are hitting their car, and then uh, and then later on he's just like trying to take pictures and Turpin has to save his life like three or four times, <laughs> seemingly. Um, Where's Snyder when you need him to to wipe him out in the yeah. first scene of this? <laughs> in the first scene of this, yeah, it turns out Jimmy Olsen just kind of sucks. Yeah, he's he's man. Let's let's do Superman's pal next, huh? <laughs> let's let's maybe not. Let's, let's never do that episode. Let's put that in a pin for later. That's right. Let's put um, a pin that. uh, yeah, I I think that the voice acting my my score for it was seven out of ten. Um, I I think that it's. Um, Michael Ironsides is good. Uh, there is that that moment that we talked about in our last episode where they finally take the voice effect off of him. Yeah, and uh, it was a little little jarring, but it didn't it didn't take away from his performance at all. He's still really good. He's still really evil and not <laughs> over the top '80s supervillain cartoon Correct. evil. He's he sounds threatening. Like I would be terrified if this guy, mm-hmm. if this person appeared in front of me in real life and I had no visual aid and just heard their voice. I would be absolutely terrified. And also, like it's an example of like generally the the most powerful, the despots of the world. They're charismatic, they're forceful, but they're not maniacal crazy people. Because <laughs> if you're if you start out maniacal crazy, you don't get to be 
in charge of a country, <laughs> you have to. So you have to be like a powerful leader first, and then become the maniacal crazy person. <laughs> so him, sort of very matter of factly discussing enslaving entire planets and killing anyone who gets in his way, uh, is again it, it adds to that. He's he's a different type of villain than we've ever seen. And you still get to see the little flashes of a smile yep. when he does something particularly evil, but it's not—it's uh, uh, not in the way that uh, that you would, again expect from your typical uh, alien warlord conqueror type of character. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that think it adds to Darkseid as a character because we talked about him in the last Apocalypse episode. We talked about how he's not—he's he, someone who who just exudes not putting much effort into whatever he's doing. Like, it's not a struggle for him to invade Earth and enslave it. Mm-hmm. It's, eh, it's Tuesday. Right. You know, <laughs> because it's Thursday. He's there. Like, you know, he's he's there, and he's going to take over Earth. And even him deciding not to uh, continue the war after, after the new Genesis shows up and... Even that, he's like, uh, all right, well, it's not really worth my effort. I'm not going to break a sweat over this. So, And that comes from that delivery. Not, I mean, the character itself, sure, but definitely in the delivery of the lines that Michael Ironsides has. So, newsflash, Michael Ironsides is great. <laughs> um, I, I think Tim Daly does a good good enough job in this. I think in the first episode, the first interaction that he had had with Orion stuck out to me as being a little bit – it was just a weird interaction between the two of them. Um, I thought Orion was fine. Like you said, he's not Ron Perlman. He was fine for what his character called for. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I gave it 7 out of 10. It's not offensive. Uh, the people who are great are great, but I don't think there was a – there wasn't a call for a multi-variety – multi-variety? That's not a thing. <laughs> a variety of people to carry this as much as you would in, in other episodes uh, yeah, that you may and, see. And- yeah, Dan, Dan Delaney and, and David Kaufman are present, as we mentioned, as Lois and Jimmy. You know, but they're, ba- they're background. Right, they're absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a nice little scene where Superman's getting beat down and Lois goes and helps him. And by the way, back to visuals, Superman crashes down in front of the Hall of Justice. Oh, yeah! Which is not sneaky, something sneaky. I ever... Like, I'm, sure, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably knew that. But I hadn't seen this episode in probably at least five or six years. It's crazy. So, yeah, uh, it's, that was a nice little touch. That was a nice picture. Yeah, it was a nice... Uh, I mean, it, technically it has, hasn't been created yet. So I Right, think it's not the Metro Tower that we see in, in we're, JLU. We're going to have to send this to the DCAU timeline guy because he's going to be all <laughs> messed up about this now. Uh, you got but, some work to do, yeah, Matt. Yeah, figure that out, man. All right. Uh, so what's your final score? So my final Wait, score, hold up. Well, hold on. Well, that's what I'm getting to here is my final score would be 29 out of 40, but I do have a bonus point to give out. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And my bonus... We a bonus point sound, by the we way. We really do. I don't know if that's like somebody's theme. Maybe, maybe like uh, the Justice League Unlimited. Uh, oh, like, you know in Har- Batman and Harley Quinn where they use use the Justice League Unlimited sound uh, theme song as Batman's ringtone? Yeah. Maybe that's what we'll use. <laughs> there we go. But yes, I have a, I have a bonus point here. Um and that's for, uh, there are cas- this is a war, right? Mm. It's established this is a, planets are going to war, and there are casualties. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Mannheim dies. He gone. 
Dan Turpin obviously dies. See ya. Um, and there's a couple others. Two two of the inner gang guys. So there's two inner gang guys that Superman saves from the explosion of the tank, and then there's a tank that Orion knocks uses the one of those. He like Dr. punches Octopus their missile. Legs. Yeah, he like punches their missile back up their tank, and it explodes. <laughs> And Superman is busy trying to shield, like, a... An a, Air Force guard yes, or something. from, from the explosion. Police. So, yeah, at least two inner gang guys die. They go. So, I thought, plus one, because it is, again, showing, and that's obviously a theme of the episode, with, specifically with Turpin's death at the end, but the showing, again, it's a children's cartoon, and so showing, giving the message at the end that, hey, the good guys won, but people died. This isn't a happy thing. Right. War is not good. War is not something we should aspire to be involved in if it can at all be helped. Right, because regardless, people on both sides are guaranteed to die. Absolutely. <laughs> so, And this is on a Saturday morning uh, children's cartoon here. Isn't that fun, kids? <laughs> and and we, we were kind of talking about this. It's like, yes, if this were any other medium of storytelling, you would have known Turpin was dying. Sure. Just from how much focus and how many like cool moments and funny and you know one liners and he how was the star of episode right. two. It's like you're obviously you're setting up. Oh, this is the cop that's two days from retirement. Right. On, you know, going on a dangerous mission here. So, uh, so it would seem obvious, but because again, it's a a cartoon where you're not really expecting it, and maybe because Maggie was almost killed, but right. was she was injured. That you think, okay, maybe he'll get beat up or something. Good deflection there. But you're not thinking, you're certainly not expecting Darkseid to vaporize him into a pile of ash. Yeah. Uh, and again, to end the episode on that type of note, that's a bonus point for me. So my final score is 30 out of 40. 30 out of 40 for you, 28 out of 40 for me. Right hand in hand, man. <laughs> We're higher than our, our last Apocalypse episodes by quite a bit. Uh, but still, definitely still, Father's Day anyway. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> it's funny because if we compare that to some of the other episodes that we were talking about that we don't ever want to review, like Unity or uh, any of the other episodes, the Lightner episodes, or yeah. some of those most ones, of the Livewire episodes, those episodes that were just played over and over and over and over and over again in rotation. Like this episode is, those episodes are going to be fine. But man, I. I father's day anyway yeah all right so with that we'll wrap things up here for this episode uh we thank you so much for tuning in as always as we remind you please do us a favor check us out on social media liam runs our twitter account spends a lot of time on there we'd love to interact with you hear your thoughts on this episode what are your thoughts from what you remember about apocalypse now uh, you know, did you catch the Hall of Justice in the background? Was was that just us? Or are we super cool? Or were you cool first? <laughs> uh, let us know. Uh, also, make sure to uh, you can like us on Facebook. Again, we don't do a lot of stuff on there, Liam. Why is that? Because Facebook makes you pay to exactly. interact with your fans, exactly. Or so your friends. We're not about giving Facebook our money. So you can like us on Facebook, but most of our stuff is done via the Twitter. Uh, so make sure you check us out on there. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. We would love for that to happen give us a five-star review while you're on there that helps us immensely with our stuff on itunes uh, we would appreciate that greatly uh liam anything else to add well just as uh, as i always do my i love talking with you it's been really fun as we're sort of really getting into stuff now getting into the dcau dcau fans are great and they're super nice uh shout out to like the watchtower database guys to tim talk just super nice people yep. and they were very welcoming and they've been helpful and they've given us feedback on our show uh it's just fun. again it's fun to be part of this community we both enjoy- have enjoyed uh 
getting into that a little bit. And obviously, we love talking about this stuff, or we wouldn't have done uh, 15 episodes so far. <laughs> 15, that's crazy. So, uh, so thank you for listening. Thanks for interacting with us. Please keep doing it. If you have suggestions for maybe what our next Spotlight episode should be, should we keep doing the Spotlights when we get into Batman Beyond and Justice League and that stuff? Should we go back to doing them by... You know, in order. Love to hear your thoughts on that. So, again, any feedback you got, any any episode discussions, any fan theories, love getting to talk about all that. So, hey. hit us up on that Twitter. Absolutely. Easter eggs, too. Big fans of those. Absolutely. Alright! So, with that, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>